0: Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, it's the end of season four. Wow. Can't believe it. Four seasons. Thanks to our sponsor, Four Seasons Hotels. We're not the Ritz, but we're close. (laughs) We've done our part in the coronavirus. I feel pretty proud of ourselves.
1: Yeah, we've done our public service. And we were hoping that, you know, the listeners would do their part too. Allowing our... Daughters to come in and join us on this listener's choice episode. They wanted no part
0: of that. Nope. Apparently, Cage the Elephant has grateful dead-like fans. Shout out to Katie Hip, who nominated Cage the Elephant and orchestrated there. <laughs> the rise
1: to finest work songs fame. The Hip
0: family's not anything to play with, man. Nah. Kyle Hip, he made sure the killers got in there. They are a force to be reckoned with when it comes to
1: podcast social media voting. We had some really great choices, but in the end, our final two, Olivia Rodrigo Sour, which was submitted by Kyle Chambers versus Cage the Elephant by Katie Hip. I mean, I really thought that the uh, pre teens, a teen girl yeah. fan base was going to. Bring it home. Yeah, that's and, a huge uh, part of our fan base. Yeah, I mean, major. I mean,
0: <laughs> there's nothing my, that preteens love more than a couple of dads talking oh, about man. old rock. <laughs>
1: I mean, you should see all the scrunchies our faces are on out there. <laughs>
0: do they put faces on scrunchies they should oh uh trademark copyright everyone heard that it's official if you say it on a podcast it's official wasn't <laughs> no. there the thing like if you mailed it with a stamp
1: yeah well, like you had to keep it sealed Is that, was that ever a thing was that really a thing? i think that was like in
0: 1910
1: yeah the you know, last ditch yeah effort to protect one's intellectual property like faces on scrunchies <laughs>
0: Okay, on our listeners choice epipod, we like to switch things up a little bit. Oh yeah. Yep. So I will be getting behind the reins of the mail desk. <laughs> this is another What do you say? <laughs> this is another, another installment. Installment. Thank yes. you. This is another installment of Kenny Gmail. Kenny G-mail. So Kenny Gmail is the time that we devote to our ardent and sincere fans yes. who pour in the emails man mm. they put their heart and soul into these emails all right so this first one comes from Carol Hernandez Fania Corbett Strawn. wow five names she's been married a few times carol writes i tried several natural deodorants from sprouts <laughs> the one i now use that i like the best is the small pink one called crystal that you show in your picture on your post huh. i didn't put a picture up <laughs> of the small pink deodorant called crystal and so i hate to do this on air are you doing Advertising. Product placement. Yeah, on our site. The fact that I pulled up in that Tesla has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with this at all. You know, when I think about deodorant, a company named Sprouts, mm-hmm. that yep. makes me think of... Hairy armpits. Yeah. Sure. Grow formula. You put it on there and your your pits will sprout. <laughs> okay, this next Kenny Gmail comes from Dahlia Anselm Libby. This is from our German contingency. Yeah. Ich finde, ich bin richtig do you speak German? I do not. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you did. Sorry. That's okay. I'll just look it up. Here we go. I'm putting put it into Google Translate. Oh, I think your evenings are really great, and I will continue to watch and follow them. Yeah. Ugh. That's a little creepy. He's up, Germany. Yeah. You got Hasselhoff from us. That's what happened. As <laughs> we mentioned Hasselhoff on the like one Anderson time. pack, yeah, and just all the Germans are like,
1: "Hmm." It's like it shows up on all their Google alerts. Yeah,
0: Herr Hasselhoff.
1: <laughs> Read it again.
0: Uh, I think your evenings are really great, and I will continue to watch and follow them.
1: In Dahlia's defense, I mean. <laughs> My evenings are usually pretty great. <laughs> yeah,
0: Yeah. what are you doing at night, Matt? I mean, it's... With the windows wide open. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, yeah, if you drive by between 7 and 9 each night, stare in my window, you'll you'll find out. It's, I'm going to take Dahlia's word for there's it. There's a lot of baby oil involved. Ew. <laughs> we're cooking, man. Jeez, I, get your mind out of the gutter. You cook with baby
0: oil? <laughs> I feel like I need to report this to the authorities, Dahlia. I thought you were talking about me. Both. <laughs> Okay, we always start with our memories. And so, Matt, what is your memory of Cage the Elephant?
1: What you may not know about me, Matt, is I used to work in the circus. Gave me the opportunity to see all the great, wonderful places all over the country and Florida. One of the performers in the circus, she had a baby. Everybody was super excited about it. <laughs> the kid was a little odd. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. How so? This kid had really big ears. Oh. He was really shunned. I was able to convince the circus leader, the ringmaster, to try and get this kid involved. We tried different things with him. The audiences would laugh at him. It was rough. I felt bad for him. Finally, you know, there was one moment where my friend is way up high near one of the trapeze platforms. Mm-hmm. And there's a fire people oh, are screaming yeah i mean people are screaming and he can't just jump from this cause he's so high up there finally he jumps and the most amazing thing happened he died no no the most <laughs> ama- <laughs> he was able to fly his ears what? yeah his ears worked as gliders and he was able to swoop down and sort of fly around the tent oh my god oh did i mention he's an elephant
0: no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. my <laughs> bad. Yeah, it's kind
1: of key. But so as he's flying around, you know, I mean, I didn't know how people would react if they try to harm him, you know. So I was just like, Cage the Elephant, Cage the Elephant, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. The ringmaster was like, that's a good idea. But also, have you heard the album Melophobia by the band Cage the Elephant? And I was like, well, I know I have not. While, me while is yeah, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. by that point, I had already lost interest in my friend, because you know, it was a Music Man. Okay. He played that album, and that was the first time I'd heard of uh, Cage the Elephant's Melophobia. Wow. Yep. In all honesty, Cage the Elephant is one of those bands that I've heard bits and pieces of through the years, and I know one of our longtime Finest Work fans, Joy and Gallinera is a huge fan of theirs and, and has mentioned them to me before. Mm-hmm. And they, I think I do own you know a couple of their albums on CD that you know, people have made and given to me over the years and I like their sound, but I did not know this album. What about you? What's your memory of Cage the
0: Elephant? My only memory is when most recent album, Social Cues, came out. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the cover, which is kind of weird. Okay. It's like a blow-up cowboy doll or something. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it I just kind of flipped through a few songs and moved on. wasn't really into it. And so, you know, when this was nominated, I didn't look up anything until Cage the Elephant won. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. I thought, wow, they've got a ton of albums and Grammys? Yeah. (laughs) Who is this
1: band? Right. How have I never heard of them? Like you, I was stunned at how prolific they've been, how well critically received they are, Mm -hmm. and and how little I knew about them.
0: Well, there must be a reason. Matt, let's get into it it and find out why these guys have these Grammys. First track on the album, we're gonna kick it off with Spiderhead. Where do you stand on spiders? I mean, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I mean, you don't like having them as pets, right? Yeah, but I don't freak out. Yeah, like Ron Weasley. Yeah, or my daughter.
1: To me, a spider like is like a really tiny, gross cat. Like it just kind of exists mm. on its own, and yeah. I'm okay with it. And I don't like it. I mean, I don't, I don't step on cats and kill them. <laughs> but, so maybe that's a bad <laughs> analogy. Spiders serve more
0: purposes than cats. That's really. That's true.
1: That's true. I remember there was this urban legend. It was one of those ones where like this person I knew. Knew this person who had this lip that was swollen and like they couldn't figure out why it wouldn't stop swelling. They'd put you know ointment on it and took Benadryl. Oh. They finally go to the doctor and you know they, they sort of lance it with a scalpel and like hundreds of baby spiders come kind of, oh, like, out. Oh
0: gosh, so, I never heard that. Was like, it true?
1: Maybe it was true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it wasn't urban legend.
0: Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, we did try to
1: um watch arachnophobia. Does that hold up? No, because we couldn't get through the trailer because the kids were laughing too hard at to how. Dated and silly it looks but that movie was like <laughs> it was scary it was scary at the time it was huge
0: back then all we had to worry about were spiders we didn't have to worry about zombie apocalypse yeah so you'd heard them before i'd heard them before so you kind of knew their sound
1: yep and i think they have a sound for sure
0: do you i do all right how would you describe their sound
1: it's hard to describe from what little i know about them is they're from kentucky but then moved to england To me, they sound like they would be like an English art house indie band.
0: Arctic Monkeys?
1: Yeah. You know a lot more about production techniques and things like that, but I feel like I hear a lot of double-tracking vocals Mm -hmm. on the lead vocals a lot. That's something that, to me, seems very Cage the Elephant.
0: Yeah, it's one of the first things that jumped out at me was the vocal recording technique. Mm -hmm. seems very across the board for them. I didn't listen to anything past this album, so I don't know if it continues Mm -hmm. when they worked with other producers, but... Matt, I was actually in Kentucky uh, when I first heard Cage the Elephant, which was kind of neat. I traveled all the way there. That's how committed I am to the listener's choice.
1: I can't wait till we do Midnight Oil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Baby, I got to do it for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, my dad's from Kentucky. My brother and I took my dad there to see family. I'm not on social media right now. Mm -hmm. taking a little break, and you Mm -hmm. told me Cage the Elephant has won. So I went out to go for a run and started listening to this. So the first thing that jumped out at me was, okay, this sounds kind of like Arctic Monkeys, Mm -hmm. Strokes. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds very familiar. At first, that kind of annoyed me. I just thought, okay, here we go. And then as I started researching them, I can't name a band that has more influences according to the reviewers. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. They were throwing out everything. That
1: they have been influenced by?
0: Yeah. Okay. Like the thing with the Killers, when we talked about that, was sounds like the Strokes and everything of that era. Yeah. But with Cage the Elephant, they were talking about garage rock, yeah. punk, alt rock, blues, psychedelic rock, yeah. everything. They were yeah. naming so many bands. So Matt, my first impression was this is a band like everything else out there. Like I said,
1: I knew a little bit about them. So the song kind of fits the mode of what I was used to with what I knew about Cage the Elephant. Mm-hmm. Although I did I did like how at the end of the song, that cool little like tempo change, particularly the part that leads into it.
0: So, Matt, that was my first impression. Okay. They sound like kind of everything, but let's continue on.
1: Well, we come a little closer and see what you think.
0: Man, way to tie it in. Man. Gosh, dude. 54 epipods. We are
1: just running on rolling machine.
0: Yeah, it's like we're finishing each other's sandwiches. Okay, this is the lead single off of melophobia number one on the billboard alternative charts It's their fourth number one hit in that chart
1: yet i'd never heard the song before we started researching this album not that it's like i'm hip on all the songs but it's amazing to me that it would be a number one song like that and
0: flew under my radar yeah so i don't listen to the radio mm-hmm. i'm not watching music on tv feels a little pretentious to be like oh it's on the radio i don't listen to it and i right. don't mean that what it made me think of is there are so many mediums yeah. and so many music publications and blogs and ways to consume music. It's an ocean. It's a vast right. ocean of bands. It's impossible to listen to everything. So I think that's why I was so surprised. And maybe you're mm-hmm. surprised is that there's this huge band out there with this number one song. I mean, it's not number one on the billboard. Right. It's the right. alternative chart, but still it's it should be played everywhere. The
1: Reverse of that is like when we were kids. We talked about it when we were teenagers. You had MTV, you maybe had Rolling Stone, and then you're relying on word of mouth from kids at school or friends of yours to tell you about new bands. You know, there's probably infinite number of bands that pop up every day. Or you know, I say bands when you musicians and artists who can produce music in their bedrooms and shoot it out to the world from the same spot. But at the same time, there's also infinite numbers of ways to come across music and bands and albums and songs these days that we didn't have back then that's what i said no but what you're saying is it's hard to keep up with all the bands what i'm saying is because of all the mediums all the mediums yeah what i'm saying is because there are so many different mediums you almost have to like try to not to stumble over new music Mm -hmm. because of social media i mean you you can be flipping through twitter on your phone chances are it's going to come across your feed Mm -hmm. i don't think it's completely ridiculous that we're both kind of like how do we not know about this I think it's within reason to kind of be like this wasn't that long ago that this album came out in the grand scheme of things yeah and with all the different mediums out there you would have thought that you know, we would have been like oh yeah the, I know the song I've heard the song the song has come across the radio at least once while I've been flipping through 400 satellite radio stations you would just think it's somewhere in the ether we would have stumbled across most of these songs or at least a couple of these songs
0: matt have you seen the video for this song? i have not i don't know how to describe it it's them in kind of a psychedelic cartoon okay feels very yellow submarine Beatles influenced in terms of these bright colors and Mm -hmm. psychedelia as they're going along through this adventure the lead singer matt schultz gets separated from the group and goes on this sort of other little adventure throughout it made me realize that although they are a band matt schultz is very much the front man. Okay. He's the one that gets interviewed. Mostly, he is the one who was featured in the video. There's a concert video. And it became clear why he is the front man. Okay. They're all just kind of chilling. But he's got his shirt off, wildly dancing around, very Iggy Pop. Okay. Diving through the crowd. There's one point where, I don't know how he coordinated this, but he's standing on the crowd, probably like 20 30 people back. People are holding him up, but he's standing straight up singing. Wow. I thought that would take a lot of coordination. I would take. Uh, All right, you, come over here. And yeah. you.
1: So that's another strange thing to me. It's because like, hearing that, I couldn't place him. If you were like, there's the lead singer of Cage Elephant, and there's Matt Schultz. I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of not knowing a lot about him, is they're kind of this faceless band yeah. also to me.
0: Matt, does this just mean that we're old? Are we avoiding the... Is that the elephant in the room we can't cage? Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> it's like if I was talking to my dad in the late 70s or something, I'm like, dad, you haven't heard Scritti-Politti, you know, or <laughs> He's like, Marshall Tucker's where it's at. <laughs> Actually, my dad's old. Glenn Miller's where it's at. <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> Frank
1: Sinatra is where
0: it's at. We'll figure it out later. (laughs) (laughs) I do know that at some point or another, I've seen the name and thought, that's so stupid. Cage the Elephant? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, there was a person experiencing homelessness who kept telling Matt Schultz, you got to Cage the Elephant. Okay. Probably as is often sadly the case, some mental, mental illness. Yep. And so this person saying, you got to Cage the Elephant. Yeah, and so they named it Cage the Elephant.
1: They're like, oh man, you need to get some help. But that's an awesome band name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love stories of how bands get their names. Mm-hmm. And upon first hearing it, I thought Toad the Wet Sprocket was a dumb name. And it is. But then it's from Monty Python. So I, I give it a little bit more. I didn't know that. Yeah, credit to that. Yep. Yeah, But Cage the Elephant, it's not a great name, but at least it's, you remember it.
0: You're so optimistic. That's why this podcast works, is because you're kind and optimistic, <laughs> and I'm pessimistic. Thanks for joining us on Fighters the Work Songs, the yin and the yang, the mat and the mat. All right, so Cage the Elephant, they're from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, What else is from Bowling Green, Kentucky? Bowling Green University. Thank you. It's two brothers. Matt Schultz is the singer. His older brother, Brad, plays rhythm guitar. Daniel Titchener is on bass. And Jared Champion is the drum. All right, so they played together in high school. Matt, Dave, and Jared. And also, Cage the Elephant fans, if I get some details (laughs) Details wrong, wrong. you know, just... Just relax. Go tell your fellow fans to fix Wikipedia then. Yeah, that's right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they initially had been playing in a high school band called Perfect Confusion. Ooh,
1: that's a good high school band. Name. It really
0: is. Matt said that they had written a list of band names down on a sheet okay. and passed it around the class. Nice. And let the class vote. All right.
1: So, was it was one of those, like, choose a number one, now choose a color, red, R-E-D.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I found a song called Jamie's Institution by Perfect Confusion.
2: They were in high school when they did this? Wow. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: they claim they take away her mind pollution. She sent them a check because they sent her a bill. They gave her a hug and a fistful of pills. Now everyone's happy to see such a beautiful day. Some say a lie tastes better. The truth is much too cruel. They say a lot tastes better, but I know we know better.
1: You know, some people always feel like they were born in the wrong era. I feel like they were supposed to have been born in England. To me, they
0: sound like an English band, which they eventually moved to London. I agree. He's not faking an accent, but it's somehow when he's singing. There's an affectation
1: or something that's going on. Even musically. I mean, again, we made the Arctic Monkeys comparison, but they sound like they should be a
0: band from London. That band morphs into Cage the Elephant, Mm -hmm. taking a... Distinctly different approach, right? And so here's the thing: Perfect Confusion released a self-titled LP in 2005. Okay. Okay. So 2005, they're Perfect Confusion. 2007, they are Cage the Elephant playing South by Southwest, and then toured to support Queens of the Stone Age.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: So there's a mystery behind this band, Matt. How they gained such popular support, yeah. got a publishing deal. Moved over to England, Mm -hmm. so clearly funded. In an interview I listened to, Matt was saying that they put us up on the outskirts of London so we wouldn't get into too much trouble. So it's clear that we're investing in this band. Somehow in Nashville, someone saw them, Mm -hmm. invested a whole lot of money in them because the rise was... Meteoric. Yeah. To play South by Southwest as a band, that's not an easy thing to do. No. 2008, they're playing later with Jules Holland. Mm -hmm. Who do they know? That's my question. (laughs) So I'm not saying they don't deserve it. Right, right. But we've had this question before, why certain bands don't make it and certain bands do. And it seems like they had to have some kind of connection. Today's musical landscape, you
1: can have, like we mentioned earlier, you can have someone who makes music in their bedroom and beams it out to the world and can get discovered. 2005, 2007, we're not at that point yet. No. I mean, you still have to get out there and... Play shows and and build up a fan base and tour, but man, that was quick to support a band like Queens of the Stone Age. You're getting not only the commercial, you're also getting critical acclaim if you're supporting a band like that. They've got this good balance already at such a early point in their band career. Yeah, to have the critical and the commercial kind of working hand in hand.
0: They were on Lollapalooza in 2007. Even if it's side stage, it's Lala freaking Palooza. Right. Somebody saw something and believed yeah. something about their look, their sound, their mm-hmm. talent. And, you know, I think Matt is an incredible frontman. Mm-hmm. Very little research or very little exposure to them. Just even watching some concert videos. It's like, okay, the guy carries himself. He's I, got charisma. I love his voice. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. especially for their sound. So I'm not saying they're manufactured, Yeah. because also we talk a lot, Matt, about we take issue with people who kind of put ads out there just mm-hmm. to become famous. Mm-hmm. These guys are the opposite of that. We talk about with how we love REM coming together in mm-hmm. college. These are high school buddies, man. Yeah. This is like live. Yep. Yeah. The live. Brads. Live
1: is the first thing I thought about. Which was, is
0: really cool. I yeah. love that. But live played for like eight years or something right, before, before getting they made it. signed at yeah. all. So these guys were around and just got signed quickly. There's definitely more to talk about with the band, but let's hear some more music. This is the third track called Telescope.
2: I see a pair of eyes peer back at me, he walks and talks and looks like me, sits around inside his house, from room to room he moves about, fills his life with pointless things and wonders how it all turns out.
1: Does NASA know about this telescope he's got? Because he's able to, like, see people in distant galaxies. (laughs) I mean, Hubble's got nothing on this thing.
0: I thought it was like a uh, rear window type thing where he's, like, spying on people with a broken leg. (laughs) So his writing is pretty vague. Mm -hmm. First three songs, man, I don't know a ton of what they're singing about aside from, like, you seem to be having relationship problems. Yeah. And you're afraid
1: of spiders. Maybe. That's true. I think the song's supposed to be very reflective, maybe thinking about whether he's living his life the way he thought he would or, or should be, mm-hmm. wondering what the future brings. Time is like a leaf in the wind. Is this like a high school English poetry class? Yeah, kinda?
0: which we've talked many times about when you hear music, what stage of life you're yep. in. So this to me feels like if I'm in high school mm-hmm. and I first hear Cage the Elephant, it's going to speak to yep. me and for me. Mm-hmm. And that could sound like, oh, this pretentious old guy. This yeah. is the same for us. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to Blind Melon. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Tell me yeah. how deep that feels. Right. You know, yep. there was music guy then that we listened to. Gin Blossoms. What were they singing about? Yeah. Who knows? But we're like, oh, man, this represents us. Oh, man. Better, better than Ezra. This is it. Oh, my gosh. Better than Ezra. <laughs> Not everyone has to be a Bob Dylan. All they have to do is cover his songs and it's going to be better than his singing. <laughs> right. Anyway, shout out to Dwayne Davis or yep. Bob Dylan. Zing. Yep. Had to get ya. So now when I read it, I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But if you're in high school and you hear like clearing my mind, losing my friends, follow my fears, do it again. You're thinking about, man, I lost that friendship. Yep. I would be obsessed with this band mm-hmm. if I first heard them in ninth grade.
1: Having a few friends who are much younger, I'd be curious to hear their thoughts on the impact that a band like cage the elephant made on them because like you're talking about is a coming of age kind of band you know this is lyrically is talking about things that i'm thinking about at that time
0: and again i'm not trying to insult anyone because yeah. look at us we're obsessed with rem yeah what were they singing about and on those first three albums it. yeah couldn't understand it and even then it was just it was mysterious it was murky yeah it didn't mean anything but to us it meant everything
1: right And to that point, talking about us just being two middle-aged guys, talking about music, our last epipod was Anderson Uh Pack, And so when that came out, Kyle Chambers tweeted at us, quote, I'm stunned every time they admit there's music released in the 21st century. (laughs) (laughs) So touche. (laughs) (laughs) Touche.
0: So back to the band. So one funny thing is Lincoln Parrish, who is the lead guitarist at the time. Mm -hmm. He was 16 when they were going to move over to England. So he's like
1: the George Harrison of the band.
0: Yes. And just like they had to disguise George's age when they went to Germany, Mm -hmm. Lincoln's parents had to sign over guardianship to someone in the band. Oh, wow. He's got a band dad and one of the guys in the band was 10 years older i think it was daniel titchener that's a pretty widespread at that time of life yeah that's a huge
1: difference i mean like now like if i've got a friend who's 10 years older than me now
0: or 10 years younger you're kind of in the same stage of life but being 16 and a 26 year old yeah is your dad i mean that
1: dude can rent cars that's big time
0: something was happening for his parents to go yeah yeah we'll give you can leave <laughs> high school and go to england with a band yeah we'll sign over legal guardianship Man. to this dude
1: I had to be home by like 1030 when I was 16.
0: Yeah. man, did you ever sneak out?
1: Only a couple times. I was a good kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember sneaking out one time. I'm trying to remember what year it was. Spend the night at a friend's house. A couple of buddies of mine did. And we, mm-hmm. we, we snuck out of his house. And we're just kind of walking around town. And it was a night. Buster Douglas... Beat Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. I think that's why we snuck out because, you know, some friend whose parents were out of town and were probably not great parents and just were always gone and left their kids home like all the time. It was pay per view. Oh, yeah. So, but we walked over there, watched the fight. And then we were walking back across town. Some you know, police officer stopped us and, you know, asked us what we were doing. He let us go. I mean, you know, didn't bat an eye. I remember thinking, like, oh, man, yeah, we got away with it. You know, yeah. You know, in hindsight, I'm like, Everybody knew everybody in this town. That police officer had to have known one of our parents or something. But we thought we had like gotten away with murder right. know, for not getting in trouble by the police. And whatever. you weren't
0: sneaking; you were just walking. Hey, boys! You the ones that let them donkeys out? No, sir. Yeah, <laughs> want us? <laughs> I don't think they made it huge in England. Uh, it went okay there, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like they blew up over the pond, from what I gather, and then were able to come back man it's just a mystery it's, it's so strange they played david letterman 2009 2009 they've been a band for just a few years yeah and they're playing letterman yeah technical difficulties couldn't get a record deal living in the shadow of mule days Yep. it's hard to get past it's that it's hard to get past that next track we're going to cover is take it or leave it
1: That song to me is their sound you know, oh, okay. of, of other things that I've heard from them through okay. the years. A little bit more falsetto voice here and there. Mm-hmm. It's almost more like Vampire Weekend esque yeah. guitar parts. So that's to me, and I could be completely wrong, and, and the longtime Cage the Elephant fans might be like, You're an idiot. You're an idiot.
0: I'm sure they've said that many times already <laughs> listening to this. If they're still listening. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but to me, that's what I think of when I think of their sound.
0: Again, I haven't heard much, but yeah. I would have probably picked come a little closer. Mm-hmm. From I did listen to the first two albums. Okay. And actually enjoyed them. Yeah. Did you watch the video for this? I did not. It was really cool, actually. It was set in the roller rink in the 70s. Nice. And they're like the backing band, but they had real disco roller skaters in really? there. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It
1: has a little bit of a disco feel to it. One of the
0: Schultz brothers said the video is kind of like Saturday Night Fever meets Skate Town USA. Okay. Patrick Swayze's first movie. I don't know that one. No, I'd never seen it. It was a comedy musical. had Scott Baio. Nice. And Patrick Swayze.
1: You got Bayzy.
0: Oh, check this out. It's about a rivalry between two skaters, Patrick (laughs) Swayze and a guy named Greg Bradford. There was a contest, and the winning prize is $1,000 and a moped. (laughs) 79, man. That's like a Lamborghini, (laughs) right? But here's what they did. They played chicken on motorized roller skates. Motorized roller
1: skates. I want to see this movie. I
0: do too, man. We got to watch this. Late 70s, early 80s, every rivalry ended in a game of chicken.
1: Some sort of uh, jousting of something. Uh, Yeah.
0: Karate Kid. Yep. Footloose with the tractors.
1: Yep. Motorized
0: roller skates. I know what I'm doing this summer. (laughs) You're right, though. It does have that Vampire Weekend feel. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, man. There's been several feels Mm -hmm. throughout, right? Yeah. Again, very new to Cage the Elephant, I don't know what I would say is this is their exact sound, aside from Matt Schultz's voice. Right.
1: Maybe that's maybe the unifying thread throughout it.
0: I'm going to go ahead and show my hand. At first, I just thought, man, these guys, they just kind of sound like a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. But as I listened to it more and more, I couldn't believe how much I liked it. The production's great. I think the songwriting, it doesn't stand out at first. The melodies don't stand Mm -hmm. out as like really distinct or really hooky, but then... Reading interviews, watching them play, Mm -hmm. I don't get a pretentiousness. Right. They don't take themselves so seriously. Yeah. You know, like these bands who like pose in a way that you're like, oh my gosh, how important are you? Yeah. Right. It feels like they're a bunch of regular dudes from Kentucky. Lifelong friends. Yeah. Who just ended up writing some really good music and apparently put on really crazy good shows.
1: Yeah. That's the other thing that seems obvious from digging into them a little bit is like their live shows are apparently really good really fun mm-hmm. and I mean, people get into it so it's just fun. that's great you know so good for
0: them. next time they come around we're gonna be the old guys in the back seeing what it's all about yep <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna review halo but that's one of my favorites on the album okay. we're gonna go ahead and skip to the last song cigarette daydreams
2: With me in and out, somewhere else, right now, you sigh.
1: This was the song that my 14-year-old just kind of stumbled across somehow, Spotify or whatever, sharing it with her mom and me. And it was like, this is a really cool song. And it is. It's a beautiful song. I love
0: that song. It's like a teen anthem. Yeah. And she loves cigarettes, my 14-year-old. She really does. I don't think I've seen her without a smoke. (laughs) She's stingy too. She won't share. She won't share. No. She likes to roll them up in her sleeve. Yeah. She's a greaser. (laughs) Man, if I was in high school, this would be on every mixtape. Guaranteed exactly. It is as nebulous As a yep. lot of the other songs yep. In that There's not really a story But mm-hmm. you know That works Because then you can just Make it fit To whatever relationship You are yearning for Or missing
1: I mean it even says You are only 17
0: Yeah it takes a line From Winger Oh uh, the
1: great Kip Winger <laughs>
0: There's so many songs like that. Sam Cooke, she's only 16. Yeah. These songs that now you're like Ringo Star,
1: you're 16. Yeah. You're beautiful and you're mine.
0: Meanwhile, Jerry Lewis is like, she's only 13. (laughs) No, we got to draw the line somewhere, Jerry Lee.
1: (laughs) It's okay if you marry her. Yeah. But we're not singing about it.
0: (laughs) Man, that killed his career. Yeah. He was huge. He was
1: huge. And that was it, man. With cigarette daydream, is like you're looking for the answer. That could be anything. Yeah. 15, 16, 17. Matt Schultz has a terrific way of using his voice as a melody. Not just singing along with the melody behind him, but adding his own twists and turns. This one in particular, I think he does that really well.
0: Talented guy, talented family. His dad was a songwriter. His great-grandfather played organ for silent movies. Oh, wow. Yep. The lore goes that one day the theater manager boxed his ears because he played the same adventure tune that he had played the week before to a scene. Oh wow has anybody ever boxed your ears no i've never even seen it done yeah why did that fall out of fashion as a disciplinary tactic yeah (laughs) anyway is this your favorite song on the album
1: yeah this is probably my favorite song on the album it's a good one to close the album out with a couple of the songs before it i don't think are as strong Mm so this one i think stands out a little bit more because of that
0: that segues nice into our next section so matt you're gonna have to sign over legal guardianship for your daughter to go join Cage the Elephant Oof. over in England if you don't remove a song <laughs> from Melophobia. So if you had to, which song would you remove?
1: That would be a dire consequence for sure. <laughs> there are a couple on here that I could just do without, but for me it would probably be it's just forever. <laughs> i don't mind the fuzzy guitar sound and the beat of it to me i don't think it fits with them necessarily but the it's just forever part with uh, what's her name allison mossart it's, it's very front and center and very loud and so it just grates on kind of grates on me okay yeah
0: matt i was convinced this was one of the albums that we would have the same one. Oh yeah yeah the five and a half minute that was journey. a very
1: close second that is teeth This is the one that we were listening to it as a family. Yeah. And Charity was like, What is this? Yeah.
3: Here, I'll I'll
0: fast forward a little bit.
1: I think one of my kids even said, Is this the same band?
0: oh my gosh so. be, i might have to change my food i was shocked when you said anything other than teeth <laughs> which is fine that's the beauty of this podcast but man that song i think i made it through it once yeah but if you're in 10th grade oh yeah man you're reading that and you're like yes. the frigid winds push through the caribou trees <laughs> yes caribou trees. that's Poetry to you. (laughs) That one didn't do it for me. Yeah, I didn't love the horns that they brought in towards Mm -hmm. the end of the album. I've already said I like them, so get off my back, people. But the other thing I didn't love is I didn't hear harmony until I think track seven, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: maybe track eight. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was man, it's just this guy's voice, and while it's a good voice, yeah, I'd love some harmony in there, something else, you know. I mean, the duet withstanding, I kind of missed hearing another voice. Mm -hmm. So, listeners, I was pleasantly surprised. Thank you. Katie Hip Mm -hmm. for turning us on to this band as I
1: mentioned earlier I knew a little Cage the Elephant so it was good to have a deeper dive with them. And I enjoyed this album. There are a couple songs on here we talked about that I could do without, but as a whole, really enjoyed the album. I think they're wonderful in playing songs like Cigarette Daydreams and Come a Little Closer. They nail that. I think they sound great doing that. I don't necessarily like it when they veer off and do heavier, louder rock kind of stuff. I think if they stay in their lane in that way, I think they're fantastic.
0: So yeah, I don't know their lane still,
1: yeah.
3: Well, yeah, I think good they, they
0: have so many influences And what initially bothered me With all their influences What I felt by listening to this album And as it grew on me Is I just thought They may be influenced by a whole lot mm-hmm. But I don't feel like they're trying to be anything Sure, The influences show through But mm-hmm. it really feels like they're just trying to write rock songs And mm-hmm. I think they're doing a good job of it we're
1: wrapping up season four of finest work songs and thanks to the guests we've had, uh, this season, and James Curl on our thin folds five episode and Dwayne Davis, who joined us to, to break down the monster that is, we are the world. <laughs> And I would be remiss if I didn't say that We were recording this uh, on the morning Of my 20th wedding anniversary so Hey! Thank you Charity for 20 wonderful years That's great I, I'm, I'm sure she was like oh great on our anniversary here, That's right Getting up early to go do your dumb little podcast
0: Well happy anniversary Thank you, appreciate that And more importantly happy anniversary to Finest Work Songs <laughs> For uh, completing our fourth season Yeah that is more
1: important <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out <laughs> All right, Matt,
0: what song did y'all dance to at your wedding? Sam Cooke, you send me. We'll see you next season, and until then, we're going to send you off imagining Matt and Charity Aww. dancing after 20 years.
2: Darling,
3: you send me. Which I, I will say,
1: this is kind of a hard song to dance to. Send me,
3: yeah. Especially when you have no rhythm. you
2: <laughs> send me. Honest you do. Honest you do. Honest you do.
0: Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.